Naturally, nobody wants anything from the Angels, so it makes no sense. No one does. No, like it's literally wide open. But he's the greatest player of all time. So That's a you crime. Know. Um, I picked that up. <laughs> please, cheater. <laughs> I picked that up for five hundred and fifty bucks. The man's um, head got bigger. How are you telling me he wasn't on drugs? <laughs> and then it got I'm smaller when he wasn't on drugs. I'm just saying it wasn't against the rules at the time. You know, Roger Maris got an asterisk. <laughs> yeah. got a good shirt for tonight gotta have a good shirt oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you want the belt you're gonna have to get and earn oh, this belt this belt is gonna be given away you're gonna take it from a man ties <laughs> it's a winner i got some I wore cream this. rises to the top <laughs> i wore it on halloween and i i must have got three or four compliments they're like dude i love your shirt <laughs> oh. Awesome. The Macho Man is the best. Gentlemen, good to see your smiling faces. You too. Sorry about the technical difficulties. I had a full Windows update. You know, we expect nothing less from a guy who's worked in like the IT world for his entire career. Sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) Makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Well, I'll be honest. I just set up my computer, so... Got three computers surrounding me, but that I works. finally put the uh, the home one together. How do you like What's your that, new toy? Uh, hmm? How do you like your new toy, dude? To be honest, with Teams, this microphone makes it amazing just to uh, contact coworkers. Where it's like you can see if they're online. I just grab it and I call them, and it's like right there. So for that that seamless kind of way of picking up a phone, trying to find a phone number or call them. It's like, it's phenomenal. It's, I mean, it's definitely the way you go. Um, I've really liked it. For a long time, I wanted Morgan Freeman to narrate my life, but now I think I want you to do it. And I was working on a Morgan Freeman for a while. It's tough to nail. You got to have, uh, there's a lot of gravitas to that voice. You got to be like 70 and had a long life. You can get him to give you navigating directions. I know, on ways. I'm waiting for that <laughs> language pack to come back around because I'm so going to buy it. <laughs> I don't know where you are. You used to be on Interstate 10. I guess I'll just miss my friend. <laughs> I'm also waiting for the Jeremy Irons voice pack because I'm going to listen to that shit all oh, that's a, day. That's a good one. I remember when I was a young man. <laughs> Christopher Walken. Uh, I would. I think he actually did one. Yeah. I think the one they're doing lately is uh, Cookie Monster or something. So they're trying to be creative. But you know, Chris. You know, guys. I make records just. Like, I put my pants on just like you, one leg at a time. Except when I have my pants on, I make gold records. <laughs> Gotta have more cowbell. Oh, that's hey, what's that uh, jersey you got there? Oh, uh, nice. 
That's a, <laughs> I got me or? Yeah, you. Oh, more cowboy. That is a Mike Trout autographed um, Minnesota all-star jersey. Sweet right. sassy molassy. The man's got some swag. It's, right. uh, it's got a card, ticket from the game, and then he won the silver slugger. So it's kind of like a piece I put together. I'd actually, believe it or not, you'll love the story. It was uh, right at the end of the season. If you ever go to Giants games or most baseball games, there are a lot of um, charity where you can bid on memorabilia. And it's the, uh, you know, um, you know, put down a price for something and, you know, see if you can get it. Um, sure. it, it always closes at... I think it's the last out in the seventh inning. Um, usually it's home team. So in this case, it was the Giants. Um, and so they had that jersey. And lots of times when you go to them, the stuff for the home team sells the best. Absolutely. So like anything Giants memorabilia or whatever it was goes real easy. Anyways, simple story. Pretty good. Sorry, Jay. Go back to uh, your Mike yeah. Trout. Picked it up dirt cheap. It sat in a bag for probably two years. But anyways, I picked up all the stuff. I, I always wanted to put it together. So I'm just like, I'm proud of it. Just a nice thing. I'm going to hang it up. Yeah. And this is now my room. I would be, man. That's yeah. killer swag. And it's yeah. got a uh, signed William Shatner Star Trek shirt that I got from my dad. And then took it back when he passed. And I want to get that thing uh, mounted. That is it like Star so Trek or is sick. it just a t-shirt? No, uh, Star Trek. The gold, gold uniform. Wow. Oh, good That's man. Cool. Yeah, you got to yeah. roll with that. Yeah, that's. Oh, it, I took it to a sports goods store that's in the mall over here, over Flatirons. You remember Flatirons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted three fifty to mount it. Yeah, Not bad. Go go down to Walmart and find one of those the forty dollar frames that's in the expensive section, and just make sure you <laughs> reinforce it. It doesn't have to YouTube be real glass. glass. You're not going to have a, a person come by and go, well, it's not in real glass. It's like, no, it isn't. It's inside in a climate-controlled atmosphere. It's fine. It's fine. True. I want it in a vacuum chamber. Oh, hermetically sealed. Mm -hmm. It is Captain Kirk. Tiberius deserves nothing less. Mm -hmm. He's not a red shirt, so he knew he lives. Yeah. All right, let's uncork this bottle, gentlemen. What's our brown? What are we drinking? So, <clears throat> sticking with the beer. Okay. And in honor of, you know, being election week, drinking fly to the polls. Fly to Ooh, the polls. Brewed nice. by? Uh, it's brewed by Four Noses. And okay. we are looking at, uh, what's this, 7.6% by volume. This is one pint. I asked the bartender for his finest pint of IPA, and that's what they gave me. How is it? Actually, pretty good. I hadn't had it before. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty tasty. I'll drink it again. What a qualifies a New England IPA? Well, I got a number. <laughs> <laughs> does it tell the best joke that I've ever heard come out of New England? How many uh, New Yorkers does it take to screw in a light bulb? Huh. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. You keep that one. We'll use it later. What are you guys drinking? Uh, I'm on Agua. Actually, um, I've had the trots all day, so oh. booze is not really in my wheelhouse right now. 
No you say that if we were in college. I don't get them very often, and I had a Bockwurst for lunch, and it just oh. fucked me up. So you're having a different kind of brown for tonight's show. Pretty much. We're not going <laughs> to talk about because that's gross. Fair enough. Very, very on, gross. On brand. So while I was oh, waiting man. for the computer gods to be kind to me, which they were not, I powered down one of my tastings, which was Fukano, which is a 10-year Japanese whiskey. Flavor <laughs> profile has plum and marmalade and raisins. Mm. And I got to say, it was smooth. And the orange just marmalade like, or what's marmalade? I want to say it's I wanna say M-A-R-M-E. L-A-D-E marmalade. Uh, I, don't, I don't have any more information than that. That's the flavor profile that I showed you guys before. The spiral <laughs> of things. That was really nice. That was like the that was like the bum gun. It was it got up there. It kind of enjoyed itself and it left me feeling clean when I was done. This one that I just poured now is a Taiwan single malt. It's a little bit stronger. It's called Omar. And it's like like an Omar from the wire, like it's rough. Yeah. So the flavor profile suggests cinnamon, toffee, chocolate, honey. You think all of those things would be wonderful, but this thing is kind of scraping its way down my throat. <laughs> Punch you in the balls on the way down. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, nice. Voice is going to carry to a very low register by the end of the show. All right. We got some topics. Do it. Do it. What we got. Uh, I believe the technical term we hear was electrician, but I imagine you wanted to talk about the election. Well, you know, I have an electrician on the coming to the house recently. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I guess, you know, it's been on the topic of everybody and I, I'm just curious on, you know, our, um, our gentleman in Colorado and how, how it went. Like, uh, what was your take is, you know, you, Oh, that's right. Your finger you got the, the badass turnout. Yeah, we did. we did get a badass turnout. Um, 83% turnout in our county. Uh, as of right now, there's still um, some ballots left to come in. We've got until the 12th to get uh, military ballots in and to have uh, the you know, voters secure their signatures. Um, so we'll probably get, I don't know, an additional maybe 1,000, 2,000 ballots uh, in between now and then. Um, probably raises up to uh, about 84% turnout. Anyway, we're, we're talking small margins there, 83 to 84%. But it went really well. You know, leading up to the election, it was pretty stressful. Um, didn't actually have a chance to talk with you guys, but you know, I've been on uh, um, phone calls and Zoom meetings with the FBI and Homeland Security and National Guard and some unnamed federal agencies. Um, talking about election security and what to expect. And we were anticipating militias at our doorsteps, all sorts of things. So, I mean, at government center, I, I had um, the, the sheriff was kind enough to lend me 20 sheriff's deputies for Monday and Tuesday. Uh, and then I had a full SWAT team each day. And then I found out later on, on uh, Monday afternoon that we actually had snipers on the roof of our building. So, you know, we were probably the most protected building in, in Colorado, I could imagine. Uh, and the, really the only thing they came in handy for was uh, calling down and letting us know that a, a news channel was van was on its way when they were about, I don't know, a mile and a half out, two miles out. They called ahead and let us know that they were coming. So you know, that was nice because it, it's you know, always good to get a heads up when the news is coming to your doorstep. But other than that, it was nice and quiet. Uh, we had a couple of uh, folks wearing MAGA masks or MAGA hats and or, or Biden shirts. We asked them to take them off or turn them inside out and leave them in the car. They, and 
they all complied nicely. Uh, strangest thing we had was a uh, gentleman voter who um, had some issues going. He uh, came into the, the vote center, uh, took him about four hours to of standing there in the booth before he finally got incredibly frustrated and tore up his ballot and threw it on the floor and walked out. And on, on video, you can see him swinging his arms in the air and talking to himself. And apparently he was talking to himself the entire time he was in the booth too. Uh, and then he came back in and got another ballot and stood there for another half hour before the, the uh, vote center called and said, what should we do with this guy? And we, uh, we dispatched a couple of uh, sheriff's deputies and a social worker just in case you know, he needed some, some help. Um, they let him know that he had, you know, 15 more minutes, which is the legal limit. You actually have 15 minutes from the time you get your ballot and get into the booth to have it completed. Obviously, if you know someone's in there and they're actively working on it, we're not going to kick them out at the 15-minute mark. But um, they let him know, and he started working on his ballot, and he finished it off and and left. Um, now I figured he just the voices in his head may have been conflicted on who to vote for, and they they worked it out, and he cast <laughs> his ballot, and that was it. Um, and when he left, there was no more talking to himself or swinging his arms in the air and, you know, they, the, the voices and all of himself, they, they all seem to be fine. So you know, that was the biggest issue. Yeah. Way of looking at it. Yeah. And we actually going into the election, we had massive early turnout, uh, we had 199,000 ballots turn, um, already turned in going into election day. Um, and to put that in context, we had 199,000 total in 2016. So we had massive turnout. And um, on election day, we had <clears throat> roughly 45,000 ballots come back to us. And <clears throat> unlike my counterparts in uh, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and um, Georgia, we had all of our ballots counted by midday the following day. And I was on the way home by three thirty in the afternoon, so nice and relaxed. Mm -hmm. Had a beer, hung out, played with the kids, turned on the news, and and saw that my uh, my colleagues were suffering across the country. So, yeah, uh, you know, for us it went really well. Colorado overwhelmingly went for Biden. Uh, overwhelmingly kicked out our Senator Cory Gardner uh, and and uh, voted Hickenlooper. for John Hickenlooper. At, uh, that's right. He was he was the gov when you were here. Yeah, that's uh, why I remember him. I'm like, I remember him. Yeah, and he uh, he took two thirds of the vote. He did well. He did. Yeah, they had to well. they had to persuade I, him to take that spot because they they recruited him. Really, the the Democratic yeah. Party really recruited him to take that that seat yeah. um, as a way to kind of secure secure stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, overall, good guy. Politically, I disagree with him on his uh, oil drilling stance, but you're yeah. never going to align with anybody but yourself, unless you're the guy that was in the uh, vote center for five and a half hours because he clearly didn't align with himself. No. But eventually, again, they figured it out, so they were okay. Um, but you know, it it all worked out, and it, Hick took the uh, took the Senate race by two thirds of the vote. Um, yeah. <laughs> One funny thing is we voted to reintroduce wolves into Colorado's wildlife and the wolves got 300,000 more yeses than Donald Trump did. What? Really? Really. Wow. So, okay. It goes to show you, you know, how people feel about their uh, predators here in Colorado. <laughs> shows to go. Yeah. 
That's that's interesting. Uh, can you speak a little bit to the military part? Because that's something that's very interesting. It's I imagine we're talking about guys that are out of country right now. It's not we're not waiting on yeah. votes from a base inside no. the border. No, so there's a federal law. It's called UOCAVA, and it's uniform and uniform and overseas citizens. Uh, something voting act. Um, we can we can look it up. I don't remember what it's called or what the full acronym stands for, but it it basically it's a federal law that allows service members or expats who are living overseas to vote in U.S. elections and gives them extra time to do it. Uh, so whereas we send out the standard ballot 22 days ahead of time, uh, we send out the UOCAVA ballots 45 days ahead of time because of mail transit and, and other things. Uh, we also have an electronic delivery system. It's a secured portal that we're able to use with our service members so that they can communicate with us uh, electronically and securely. Um, we have about 1,500 voters counting that use UOCAVA services. Uh, back in the day when I was supposed to deploy overseas to Iraq and Afghanistan, I registered for it so that you know I could vote if I happened to be deployed. When my parents lived in Amsterdam for a few years, they used it uh, in order to vote on on a few different races. So it's pretty, you know, it's commonly used. And vote by mail actually dates back to the Civil War. So it's it's nothing new. It's nothing magical. This is something that we've been doing a really long time. Um, and it's it's never been as political as it is now simply because of the rhetoric coming out of the White House surrounding it. Um, there's there's nothing crazy about absentee balloting or vote by mail. They're the same exact thing, just a different term. One you have to sign up for and the other one you get automatically. Yeah, it, it's gone smoothly. Um, we still have until the 12th, which is another six days uh, before the deadline for all the Yokava voters. And once that passes, we'll be able to accept or count their votes. They have the right to vote and we'll, we'll count them just the same. Uniformed and Overseas Citizens Absentee Voting Act. There you go. That's the United one. United States federal law dealing with elections and voting rights for United States citizens residing overseas. Act requires that all U.S. states, D.C., Puerto Rico, Guam, American Samoa, U.S. Virgin Islands, allow certain U.S. citizens to register to vote and to vote by absentee ballot in federal elections. Act is public law 99410 signed by Ronnie Reagan, August 28, 1986. Good old people around. covered under the act are members of the seven uniformed services, members of the U.S. Merchant Marine, eligible family members of the above, United States citizens employed by the federal government residing outside the United States, and other private U.S. citizens residing outside the U.S., otherwise known as expats. So, What um, are the seven uniformed services? Oh, good question. We've got <clears throat> Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. There's four. Coast Guard. Uh, Coast Guard. Space Force. Space, space Force. Force. But was, was Space Force included when that was written? Uh, uh, United States Public Health Service Commission Corps. What is that? Oh, I'm gonna look on I'm gonna look that up <laughs> next. And then uh, NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Commission Officer Corps. Wow. Huh. Well, that's uh, all United there. States Public Health Service Commission Corps, also referred to as the Commissioned Corps of the United States Public Health Service. Oh, thank you. Is the Federal Uniform Service of the U.S. Public Health Service is one of the eight uniform services in the United States. Eight now that the Space Force is legit. The Commission well, Corps primary want to know mission if they is shoot the protection. Green and red lasers. Uh, yeah, or, 
They're getting there. We're going to have to look that up. The Commissioned Corps' primary mission is protection, promotion, and advancement of health and safety of the general public. Along with the NOAA Commissioned Officer Corps, the Public Health Service Commissioned Corps is one of two uniformed services that consists only of commissioned officers and has no enlisted or warrant officer ranks, although warrant officers have been authorized for use within the service. Classified as non-combatants, unless directed to serve as part of the military by the president or detailed to a service branch of the military. Huh. You learn something new every day. Yeah, no uh, Latin, though. Semper Fidelis, no uh, Semper. Yeah, none of that. Always, apparently, they're always not well known to other branches of the military. But yeah, that's, you know, for, from the elections administrator's perspective, things went well. Uh, leading up to it, it was pretty scary. Got some death threats. Um, ended up uh, acquiring a bulletproof vest from the sheriff's department. Did they that you to give that back? No, no, it's it's custom fitted to me. My beautiful man physique mm, fits those Dude, boobs. You got to test it. So I got tested. <laughs> Back in my naked. That's funny. Well, I want you to be creative. I don't want you to test it with bullets. I want you to go find a tornado. <laughs> that season's probably coming up in Nebraska. Not so far. Well, that sounds exciting, man. Congrats, you uh, got through it. Um, obviously, it's probably a. Uh, I don't know. You spend a lot of time prepping to get there, um, to do, to do the job. And so yep. it has to feel gratifying, gratifying to, um, complete it and, and to finish it, you know, without any kind of real issues or anything. So are you the one who actually certifies the ballots at the end, once everything is all over, or are you the signature that certifies it that goes to call it the state and the state then kind of tallies everything from there? Yep, I certify the election along with one member from the Democrat, one member from the Republican Party. Mm. We call it the Canvas Board, and that happens uh, about three weeks after the election. Uh, we'll we'll get together, the three of us. My staff presents all the different metrics, all the different numbers, how many voters there were, how many ballots were printed, um, making sure that everything adds to zero or as close to it as possible, uh, and. You know, just basically it, it's an oversight committee and we sign off on it. And once we si- sign off on it, the election is concluded, certified to the secretary of state. So here's pick your brain on kind of two topics. Then if you could, um, obviously things that were successful in this election, the absentee ballots, the number, and then the overall voter turnout was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and kind of putting on a different hat of like, okay, what, what worked, what didn't work, where do you see the future of elections going? I mean, do we feel that, you know, we're going to go more and more absentee now, even post COVID, not like out there. And then do you also then would say that like, would this increase the voter turnout then if, if we do promote mode it the way it is and, you know, uh, having people accessibility to, you know, voting early, um, and lastly, what would you say to, you know, maybe other states changing? We you spoke to earlier that your counterparts in obviously Pennsylvania will just pick that one out because they're not allowed to start counting votes until um, the morning of the election. Um, right. And, you know, you look at them versus Florida, which could be. Can you imagine if Florida didn't start counting until the day of the election? It would have been mm-hmm. an absolute just gut punch. And we'd have more states that basically you'd be sitting on a bubble for. Um, right. But anyways, insignificant Nevada, no offense, Nevada, but Nevada's got six electoral votes and we're sitting on it like the hungover friend that can't get his shit together. He's stuck on the couch, man. 
He'll leave eventually. The guy on the couch. So there's obviously different models of elections around the country, and every state has its own election laws. Colorado was one of four mail-in ballot states, which uh, most states have an absentee process. Uh, back in 2013, Colorado said, you know what, this is silly. Let's just give everybody the absentee process and we'll call it mail-in balloting. Um, whereas in states, even in, in California, I think you guys still have to do it where if you want to get a, a ballot at home, you have to register for it. Uh, and it's not hard. California doesn't make it difficult, but there are some states that do. Some states you have to provide a doctor's note. Uh, or some other you know, certified letter of some sort that you aren't going to be able to show up to the polls on election day and need to uh, have this this ability to vote uh, from, from absentee. So we just assume that everybody wants to do that. Um, one of the interesting data points that we've seen is actually a 16% increase in voter turnout since 2013, simply by making it easier to vote. Um, one of the other pieces that we do is we allow counties to start counting up ballots 15 days ahead of the election, which is how I was able to have 199,000 ballots counted going into Super Tuesday. Um, you know, in Pennsylvania, I feel bad for them. You know, I feel bad for those workers who are now working 24 hours a day with every camera on them in the entire world wondering what's happening. And the uh, Vegas outside banging on the windows. Yeah, you know, Vegas, they're already used to having cameras on them, but, you know, they're from the casinos, but it's, you know, they're, that, that's a rough spot to be in. It's a lot of pressure. Uh, and the whole world is waiting on these results, not just the United States. Mm -hmm. And, and Good point. I don't envy them. Um, what I see happening in the future over probably the next eight years is, more states going to the model that we have here in Colorado um, and Oregon and, and some of the, and let's see who they own. There's, there's a few others. So there's, there's four total Hawaii recently adopted it, which really makes sense for Hawaii, right? Because it's a chain of islands. And so the logistics of getting ballots back and forth between the islands is a challenge, you know, going with all mail and balloting makes, makes sense for that sort of environment. Same with Alaska it would make a whole lot of sense to do it in Alaska. Um, you know, Texas, we've seen where they went to court so that they could only have one drop box per county, uh, where there's counties of less than a thousand people. That's not a huge deal, um, except for the driving time, but you know, a thousand ballots will fit in a box. But then you look at Houston or Dallas, Fort Worth, and you've got millions of people living in, in those counties and only one drop box to go to. I have 28, the highest number per capita in the entire state. Why it is makes that? Nice and easy. Uh, why, the, why did you have so many? Uh, the state minimum, it's based on population. So the state minimum for the calculation for us to have was 26. Being a data guy, I took a look at the, at the numbers, where people were traveling to and from. Uh, really wanted to make it easy for people to vote. And so I installed a couple of extra. Um, and it doesn't cost much. It's you know $3,000 for the pad of concrete, another couple grand for the box, and you've got the thing installed. I've seen videos of... of people trying to take out these boxes and they're made of steel. They're reinforced into, into concrete and the car always loses. The box is fine. Um, you know, there, I, I remember a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a ballot box set on in fire in California. Our, we've tested that here in Colorado. We, we, I watched one of our ballot boxes burn and it, there isn't enough oxygen inside and there's not enough oh. airflow to allow the ballots to actually catch on fire. There's enough heat. It might smolder, but 
there they'll still be intact enough that we can still extract the vote off of them and and find out you know who somebody wanted to vote for so yeah. you know our our elections here are very secure and i i really do see the rest of the country uh transitioning to our model um adapting it to their own particular state's needs but really transitioning to our model over the next probably eight years uh, the South will probably take the longest to get there simply because the South moves the slowest, but I see it all moving that direction. There, yeah. There's absolutely no reason to continue with the model that we've always done simply because we've always done it that way. You're talking about like states like Pennsylvania and the South, Georgia and, and whatnot. It is, they are progressing. They're just so slow to, to, mm-hmm. to grasp to, and I'm not even talking, look, and we're not even like breaking a sweat here in the sense of technology or anything else. It's still the same process of printed paper using a black pen and filling it out and then putting it back in the mail or a Dropbox. It's not like we're asking people to have logging codes online or anything else. It's, it's just a simple, it's simple. There, there's no technology changes here. So it, you would, if you would think that maybe legislation would come through that they would want to basically get out the vote easier and, and everything else, but you know, they move. So I've seen, you know, the, the whole watcher prod thing is, is it's all geared towards ensuring there is an election fraud. Um, yeah. and the over 2 million ballots that I've sent out in the last two years that I've been the County clerk, I know, I'm aware of three instances that are election fraud or potential election fraud. Let me tell you about them. One of them was in, it started in Fort Collins, husband, wife, nasty divorce. He neglected to change his address. Uh, it was all very recent. And so the post office didn't even have a chance to change his address with us. And she got both ballots. She filled them out, signed them, sent them in. He came into our office and said, hey, I haven't gotten my ballot yet. We said, wait a minute, we've got you marked off as uh, already voted. Doing a little bit more digging, we found out what actually took place, found out the ex-wife submitted them, and and she was turned over for prosecution. Uh, I don't know what the result of that case has been. But But that's blatant fraud. I mean, that's... Um, The other two were both this election. Oddly, um, you know, in older couples, both of them, uh, one of the spouses in each couple passed away and their dying wish in their will was that they still be able to vote. So the surviving spouse filled out, completed and signed their ballot and sent it in. So the surviving spouse voted. Touching yet illegal. Yeah, technically it's illegal. Yeah. Not malicious. They weren't. I don't think they were intending to commit a level of voter fraud. They were just simply honoring the wishes of the person that they loved. And so, even in that case, though, it's been turned over to the district attorney, and the DA gets to make the decision whether or not they prosecute. If they come and ask my my opinion, I'll, I'll say no. Don't prosecute. You know, this is you know an eighty-five, ninety-year-old lady who didn't know any different and thought she was doing the right thing. So she was, she was following the best wishes of someone that she loved. So right. and and I'm it's not in saying that, that justifies it. No, I said it's in a will. It's a legal document. You know, she didn't know any better. Oh, you there know? you go. Uh, I have actually one instant that, that um, happened around here is uh, I'm just curious on this. If uh, I get my, you know, absentee ballot ballots are shipped, what, three weeks before the election or whatever mm-hmm. it is. I can't remember. But um, yeah. if I was to fill it out, sign it and seal it and then i pass away is that 
considered fraud or is it still like does it is that still legal because it's like you passed away before the election i was just curious i was like wait i can still vote if i passed away with a ballot that was filled out by me legitimately just here in in colorado it still counts i I don't know yeah if it would count in california but here in colorado would count but just to give you as an idea um I just ran at three divided by two million is 0.00015. That's our incidence of voter fraud, nominal at best. And yes, there are elections that can come down to one vote, but at that rate of voter fraud, it's so minuscule that the impact, especially on the federal level, it's not going to make a difference. It certainly doesn't warrant the amount of media attention that it's getting. No, no, it's fear mongering. 170 million ballots will be cast, if not more, this election. Right. That's a lot. That's a yeah. lot of ballots. Yep. Times so. 170 000. Well, nationwide, that's 25,000 votes at the percentage of three out of two million. Well, that could currently flip Georgia. It could, or Arizona, if it was all isolated in one particular place. But let's be honest, if if the Democratic Party was going to cheat, it wouldn't just be with Trump. They also would kick out McConnell. McConnell and, would be gone. And Lindsey would be gone. Lindsey Graham. Um, right. This thing in Georgia would be above, you know, what it needed. I do remember that from 10th grade history. He said, if you were going to come in and you were going to steal one of each test from my filing cabinet right here, your best bet is not to just steal the tests. Your best bet is to go and spray paint the walls, tear down the chalkboard, upturn the desks, pee all over my desk. He said, because by the time I figure out that the tests are gone, he says, you might've gotten away with most of it. And that yeah. was your, your basic subterfuge in elements of espionage like that. And, well, and that's why you peed on his desk? And is that how that worked? <laughs> desk per se uh that was the point of the story right i peed on his chair and his desk decided to walk in between us (laughs) i'm not taking any personal responsibility for that it's a very agile and robust desk Uh, i do have something to say regarding uh the process thank you very much for for this breakdown why does Estonia have 99% of their public services online? You've traveled overseas. You know how overseas you use chip and pin? You don't use the chip and signature? Not anymore, yeah. It's because technology here in the United States, even though available, is too costly to implement to go to chip and pin. That's the sole reason we haven't gone that direction. Because there are simply too many merchants here in the United States to make it worth it. Because I've asked that same question. And here in the United States, it is a, it's like trying to turn the Titanic to avoid an iceberg. The rudder is very small, and it's a very big ship. I think that that has a lot to do with it. Uh, each individual state has its own election system. Um, each individual county within its own state has its own election system. So I have the option of choosing between several different election systems that have been certified by the Secretary of State. Other counties have the ability to choose those same systems. So in Colorado, there's 64 counties. That could be 64 different systems that are being used. And and from a, a tech perspective, it is very cumbersome to do that massive switch 
Uh, in the U.S., we went to voting systems in the 90s and early 2000s that were computer-based, and we saw them hacked um, to an unreasonable percentage. They were hacked. And I think there's a general fear of it. Um, the United States is also a, a big target. Estonia is not a big target. Nobody feels like hacking Estonia. There's nothing there to hack. You know, and, and no disrespect to Estonia. Maybe I'll go visit there one day and I'm sure they have delicious food and beautiful women and, and, and all that. But it's not the same level of target the United States is. Uh, and when something is electronic, it's easy to manipulate and it's, it's harder to, to switch. So here in the U.S., paper is the best way to go at this point until there, there truly is an electronic format that can be safe and secure and make the populace feel comfortable because a lot of it's also about perception, um, I think we'll be stuck on paper because you can't hack paper. There's, there's no way to do it. Our, our average election worker this, for this election was 72 years old. What? So these are, these are retirees. And from the election worker's perspective, from a computer perspective, they're not savvy which creates an issue of its own, uh, but you know, they, they couldn't handle the Windows update. But yeah, it's your average election volunteer is probably up there because they have the time and the interest. Right, and they're, they're retirees. We had, um, out of 475 roughly uh, election workers, we had 25 who were student workers. And that is a far larger number than we normally have. In a normal election, we might have two. Um, out of 200. It was a much larger number, um, but still not ideal, um, you know, to keep grandma and grandpa safe. But unfortunately, the last day of the election, or on election day, I found out that one of our 70-year-olds who is a cancer survivor and had a heart attack last year and is still in recovery from all of that, uh, came down with COVID. And his... Uh -huh. His wife was, is, is also a worker of ours that worked in two different rooms. He worked in scanning. She worked in uh, what we call a ballot preparation. And they're surrounded, between the two of them, they're surrounded by probably 60 judges, 60 workers. The way COVID works, you're contagious for two to three days before you start showing symptoms. So there's a good possibility that we have a pocket outbreak. You know, in amongst those 70 year olds. Um, yeah, currently, a very stressful situation where people are probably panic breathing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, they're all wearing masks and they're all socially distanced, and we have plexiglass between workers, but you can only do so much. You know, think about it like the smoking section in, in IHOP from when we were kids, right? Simply because there's that, you know, half wall doesn't mean the, the cigarette smoke goes straight up and stops right there. It's not magical. So even with the plexiglass, you know, there's and the masks and the hand sanitizer and everything else, there's still a chance that it's spread and we're, we're waiting for results. Of course, the county paid for all the testing and we'll pick up, you know, what we can pick up for them. But it, it's a tough situation. You know, there's certainly the vulnerable population and it's pretty scary. You know, it's like, you know, it's like hanging out with your grandparents at work. They say the same inappropriate things. Periodically, have to fire them for racism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just note to self: you, you can't, can't say that. You can't say those things. 
Right. You can't ask a somebody of Hispanic descent why they don't make tortillas by themselves. Why they don't buy them. <laughs> you cannot do that. <laughs> you know, we, we deal with the old people who get to a point in their life where they can almost say whatever it is that they want. Unfortunately, they can't. But that's that's the level of, of age that we're dealing with. Oh, no, you just reminded me of something that makes me laugh every single time. So it's a little bit older. Uh, this particular article I just found in Forbes, and you made me laugh. According to Centers for Disease Control, annually sexually transmitted disease surveillance report, cases of several common sexually transmitted infections have reached historic highs among elderly populations in the U.S., including chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis. To be fair, STI rates overall were higher across the U.S. with more than 115,000 syphilis cases documented in the number of primary and secondary cases, most infectious stages, increasing by 14%. The study has turned a few heads not only because these diseases can have dramatic and deadly health consequences for people of any age, but because the increase in the rates of these diseases among older populations in particular can lead to an increased risk of other serious illnesses such as heart disease and cancer. According to the study... D.C., New York, Maryland saw the highest instance of STI among populations 55 and older. Because of Tom Brady. What happens is they all go to the old folks' home and largely Mm -hmm. left to their own devices. Well, I mean, (laughs) you guys remember my ex-wife. She worked in the old folks' homes, and I recall her coming home and telling stories about how she walked in on a couple of old folks doing the nasty, you know, and if one of them needed Viagra, it was, there's no questions asked. You'd provide them with Viagra and it's a pretty normal thing. And it just, you know, because you're old doesn't mean you lose that drive. Oh, a hundred percent. Biology does not turn off. No, Chris Tucker said it best. The older the berries, sweeter the juice. Volunteer ballot processing, uh, racism and uh, slices of Americana. This has been wonderful. All right, let's pivot. Words of advice from Mr. Jones as he becomes a new father. Let's go with the the start of things. When is the child to arrive? Spring? February 27th. So... Oh, no shit. That's Ava's birthday. Yeah. It was planned. Yeah, that's the date. That's the the date the doctor says. A state the baby size would give. That's the date that uh, the baby boy pops out. Yeah, so... Kind of perfect. I think a good time of year. I mean, you know, Ziggy, you went through it. What kinds of uh, things have you heard so that we can laugh and confirm them? Any horror stories? Uh, any any particular gems from? I think I think the one I the you know that you guys can probably talk to is it like is it really true when you take the diaper off all of a sudden the pee just starts going all over the place and you gotta like make sure you got like the umbrella yeah. underneath the whole thing because you got to start drinking yellow juice all of a sudden. Especially early on, have a you'll need two diapers, so you'll have the dirty ones called PP teepees that you can actually (laughs) put over the fire hydrant. I I never personally had any issues with it myself because I never took the diaper off quickly. I was like, All right, here we go, and you just kind (laughs) of he just let his wife do it. Mm. (laughs) Oh, no, I was not one of those fathers that shrank away from, from diaper duty. To me, diaper duty was a lot easier then breastfeeding they're making their lunch as well breastfeeding yeah i mean now that we think of it that's really a joy in life you can you milk know. anything with nipples 
Yeah, I mean, as <laughs> I've got nipples, fucker. Any milk? By the way, I, I still think that's one of the best lines of any movie ever made. <laughs> it's, it's so dry, but so perfect mm-hmm. the way. Uh, I mean, in the, in the pantheon oh, yeah. of of De Niro and his the winter of his life, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess. And another one is, is it so? You know, obviously diapers. <laughs> Here, uh, full disclosure, I've never changed a baby's diaper. Not one. Adults, on the other hand, I've changed adult diapers. Way worse. Awful. Wait a minute. Adults are heavier. Let's talk about that for a second. You can take two ankles (laughs) in one hand and you can physically lift the child upside down and that'll allow you to get in, you know, where you need to go. But yeah, you do that on a 70-year-old man and he gets a little upset when you start grabbing by his ankles. <laughs> we kind of touched on a delicate subject that, of course, you must now elaborate on. Well, it depends. Is that a joke? Depends. Anyway, um, <laughs> would you elaborate on your experience and how <laughs> that came about and why? In the hospital, uh, working or uh, doing uh, volunteer work at the hospital for EMT. <laughs> So was ah, okay. and all that. And so it's why it's always kind of funny is that to this day, I still have never changed a baby's diaper. Only human, only full well, grown adults. As we get older, we sort of revert to our childhood. So sort oh, of the same thing. It's yeah. just larger. And Every, by the time the kid gets three, they're having man sized shits anyway. So Ziggy can talk to this one, but I would say that boys have easier plumbing. Yeah, you don't have to worry about front to back versus back to back. Yeah, I mean, if it (laughs) popped out as a solid log of life, like it'd be really easy, just like the law, and you just pick it up and toss it. But like it is Mm -hmm. not, it gets smashed and grinded up in there like peanut butter. And you know what that's like as an adult. I mean, you can imagine as a baby, it's going to take a lot of wipes to get all that stuff out of there. Because you got to move, you know, you got to move it over and you got to get in there because you can't leave it. Like if you leave it in there, sure. then the kid gets a rash and then they scream even more. Boys are definitely much easier. You can definitely see the the twig and berries and they. <laughs> they and yeah, I mean, there. just, you know, there was no topography map that you need. There's no ultrasound. Uh-huh. It's like, it's what you see is what you get. I think the, the funniest part is when they're like 18 months old and they get the first boner. Wait, I didn't know about that. That happens. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah it happens. And, and you got to figure out what to Morning do with it. Saying, so, even at that age. If you point it down when you put the diaper on, then you won't get that spray. But if you let it go up, then you're going to yeah. get the spray. So it, you got to kind of do the, the you got to do like the one finger <laughs> down pin and then roll the rest of the diaper on and put those adhesive tabs on so that you keep it pointing south. You don't want to yeah. never to go from six to midnight. Just leave him at six. Okay, yeah. get over it. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have all of these discussions with my boys when they're older. Like, we're going to talk about all this stuff at the wedding. In fact, I want to be one of those jolly dads who's laughing in the back like Friar Tuck from Robin Hood. I don't know, man. I, I, I'll say this is I am very excited for what um, what this will bring. And, like, I guess it's the point of, you know, life for me. It's always been kind of more about me and everything. So I'm looking forward to just the, uh, the energy going somewhere else. I think you end up running on about a third of the sleep that you used to run on and you don't sleep as it is. So you're going to go down to a third of what you don't do now. All that aside, let's chat relationships for a minute because the dynamics do change when the baby shows up and and captain feel free to chime in on this course. Um, When the baby arrives, it often becomes all about the baby. 
your relationship is all about the baby. What does the baby need? Look at the baby, look to the baby, you know, all that sort of stuff, right? Don't forget about your relationship with your wife. Mm. And, you know, make sure that you two still have your time together, regardless of the baby. The kid will be fine. The kid can cry itself to sleep. It's okay. It'll live. It'll wake up the next day. As long as it's still screaming, it's still alive, right? So it's fine. Its head's not going to fall off. It's going to look like it when it first comes out. It's going to be all jiggly and weird. They're surprisingly Don't forget about your relationship with your wife. And that's probably the best advice I can give you from a fatherhood perspective. Make sure that you are... Yeah, you know, in, in both ways, you know, make sure that, and obviously it's on her, you know, she needs to ensure that she's giving you the same level of attention, still mm-hmm. go out on your dates, still do the things that you guys did before that make you a couple still enjoy each other's time together. It cannot possibly be all about the kid. You will be better parents if you have a strong relationship with each other than you will if you think your relationship is strong because you're entirely focused on the kid. And you will learn to communicate if you have not already. Because in those moments when you're on your last inch, there is no reset button. There is no pause. There is nothing. You're live. You're in a live fire exercise. And you have to figure out how to work together to get things done. When you have one child, there are ways that you can remain intellectual and try and find diplomatic solutions to it where you can discuss it. By the time you get to more children, one of them may be siphoning off a parent so that the other one has to deal with it. And then the second you get to more than two, which is what Zig's dealing with, you're outnumbered. Yeah. Part of what he's saying, I want to echo in terms of Enjoy your time with each other as you're exploring this, because at some point you becomes a half of you when you get married and it becomes a third of you when you have a kid and it becomes a quarter of you when you have two and it becomes 20% when you have three Mm. and so on and so forth. You're left with a sliver of what you had. And then when they hit 18 and you kick them out of the house, it all comes roaring back. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what Ziggs is talking about is those quiet moments of we're on the same team. You are going to want to have those because that stuff's going to be really hard. Put your phones down, turn off the TV, stay connected. I like it. That's good. That's really good advice. I think it's important because I, uh, everyone's personality is different, but mine is definitely one that is very hyper-focused on certain things. That's the way I get things done. And, um, I think to your point is that if I'm so hyper-focused and we're hyper-focused on the kid that we forget about us is a really important thing that we need to remember Mm -hmm. to still go out and date and dinner and drinks and wine tasting or whatever it is. And I think we'll definitely uh, set aside that time so that that definitely happens. So it's very easy to lose your, lose yourself. Yeah. Um, Not only are the kids themselves cute and you love them to death, but they take up a lot of time. Kids are a pain in the ass. <laughs> they really are. Definitely. I love mine to death. Do anything for them. I'd lose my own life for them, but they are an absolute pain in the ass all the you time. You cute kids, man. Yeah, like those, your kids are cute. You did a good job. Parenting Thanks. is very much like the game of golf. 
in the sense that you can hack and hack and hack and hack until you hit the perfect drive and mm-hmm. the entire day is forgotten and you start over. Yeah. I mean, when I golf, the second shot was always the perfect one. So what does that say about my first and third kid? <laughs> they were at the 19th hole. I would echo what, um, what our friend said in terms of togetherness, but Still I would here, just rejoin. I would put, um, I put less pressure on yourself to make it a date night rather than yeah. quiet moments of just sit there, just sit there and be with each other and express that we're both tired together. Three things that you can think of in terms of what I think make relationships strong. And I got this from a person who said, this is my go-to best man speech. He said, don't ever let them get hungry or cold. So Fair. most fights in a relationship come from your blood sugar being low or your temperature being off. So carry some protein bars or some favorite snacks and always make sure there's a blanket around. Two is don't keep score because the, Mm -hmm. I got the baby last night, it's your turn, never ends well. (laughs) No. And the third one is to remind yourself constantly that you're on the same team because it may seem like you're both trying to accomplish what's best and be at odds with each other. And as long as you pause and remind yourself we're on the same side. Uh, those are my three advices for relationships. And the reason that I tell you this under the context of this conversation is when the children come in, they are a catalyst. Mm-hmm. They are an accelerant the way the pandemic has been an accelerant. When you're hungry and the kids are screaming, exponentially increases your discomfort. When you're yeah. cold and the kids are screaming. So that's uh, that's my genius moment for the night. Okay. Takes hanger to a whole new level. So imagine it like um, like you're on a sports team, right? And think about, I think probably a football team is a good analogy for this. Not because one person is necessarily on offense and the other person is on defense, right? You're, you're not doing this against each other. You're just two halves of the same team, but you're all part of the same team. And any given day, one of you is going to be interacting on a different level than the other person with the children. By different level, I use that phrase intentionally because it's not one of you is doing more than the other. You're doing different things with the kids than the other person is doing. So you may be doing bath time. She may be doing feedings, right? Those are two very simple things, especially when the kid's an infant, but both are complicated in their own right, especially if she's trying to breastfeed. Once the kids get a little bit older, you know, you may be doing bedtime and reading them stories and she may be helping them with their homework, right? Two, two different complications. Getting kids to finally stay in bed and go to sleep is not as simple as just pointing them into their bedroom and saying, go to bed. Under pain of death. Yes, under pain of death. You know, it, it, and I, I hate to bring it up, but I, I do still love Bill Cosby and the old Bill Cosby records. And I think Don't about it, his Don't wife standing there with the yardstick like the samurai sword. You know, like those things still come to mind. And, and I know that I, as a father, have been in those same situations. And so I appreciate that about Bill. I don't appreciate his affinity towards quaaludes. Ludes, man. Fucking ludes. I can separate the man from the career. Like, I like Michael Jackson's music. I, I can separate the two of them can't. in my head. Can't. So I, I no. do actually look at some of his work, which I think, I don't, I don't know that you want the content to be sullied by the writer because that's killing the messenger. Most of his comedy is based on legitimate child psychology research. 
So yes. we laughed at some of that shit, but there's a because lot of truth true. to it. I don't know if I ever told you guys this, but my uncle who died when I was oh five or six, I I, I don't recall knowing him, although I did. Uh, he was it. What's that? Parliament? That one? No. No, no, no. This was my mom's brother. Okay. Or my mom, my mom's uncle. I'm sorry. He was my grandfather's youngest brother, and he was only five or six years older than my mom. Mm -hmm. um, he was actually Michael Jackson's personal electrician. He did all the wiring at Neverland Ranch. Jesus. Yeah. It's a lot of wiring. There's a lot of lights. It's like Disneyland. Mm -hmm. oh, it's a lot of cameras. Busy guy. Oh, yeah. That's creepy. Oh, <laughs> it's creepy. <laughs> Uncle Sheldon. <laughs> all right, dudes. Good talking to you. Love you lots. Love See you, you too. soon. Love you. Miss you. Beautiful. This place is dead anyway, man.